Hi, this is Brett with Suspended Soul Podcast. And this episode I have Dwight Hellion. Um, he plays in a band called Integrity, uh, does a noise project called Psy Warfare. That's been, both projects have been going forever. I call them projects, they're bands, art, whatever you want to put labels on them. Just to, we already kind of decided, we, don't, we taught before, we, do, we aren't the most fondest of labels. But anyways, um, Dwight also does art. Um, in many different forms and skateboards, um, has family, uh, just is, just keeps going. So, with no further ado, welcome, Dwight. How are you? I'm doing real good, Brett. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for doing this with me again. I know we had some technical difficulties our first our first rounds on this. So, yeah. and it's good to do this now. And I'll probably be able to get this for viewers in about hour sessions on my recording. I may have to stop like an hour through, and I may have to re-record again because of my. But anyways, let's go a little bit. Um, I asked you one of the first questions I asked you last time was maybe give a little background on yourself, like where'd you? I know we don't like you talked about it. You don't really like being pigeonholed. I don't, but. We we probably both come from punk rock in some ways, or come from certain things that are because labels, I guess, help people know what things are in the world. So maybe give your history and where it started for you. And I know for viewers, Integrity was in Cleveland, Ohio, kind of where it started. But you live in Belgium now, and now people live all over the place. We'll get into that further, but yeah, maybe just go into how you got into punk rock. You were saying that last time, and some of the some of the things in kind of life. Yeah, I, I found out about punk rock and heavy metal from uh, skateboarding. Uh, I was uh, 12, 13 years old, and uh, the friends that I had had made that were into skateboarding, um, some of them were into punk and music at the time, like Thrasher Magazine would have a, a lot of integration with that kind of underground music uh, culture with skateboarding because that was at a time when skateboarding was not on uh, in the Olympics and things like that. It was more of an outlaw sport. <laughs> yeah, so it totally. coincided with the punk and the metal uh, vibe at the time. And uh, through that, I, I, I learned about uh, about alternative music, underground music. But, uh, you know, they also, at the time, it was uh, portrayed in a almost in the same way as, as uh, skateboarding was, where you look at something that's like a parking garage or, a, you know, some empty parking lot, and skateboarders see that as an opportunity to, to do tricks and enjoy yourself. And with that same concept, you approach music that way, and you say, well, these are unconventional instruments and I can use them to make music as well. So you sort of uh, reinvent the purpose of things that would normally be overlooked and use them as your artistic expression, like a, a curb with skateboarding or like, uh, you know, banging on a, an old uh, oil drum for percussion, for example, different things where you take chances and you experiment with things and, I think that that fed into itself with me as a kid and gave me the uh, inspiration to pursue that. I also thought that that kind of music had uh, less limitations than um, than regular, uh, you know, regular uh, 
mass accepted radio. Well, let's just face it. We skateboarded. We were adrenaline. We were adrenaline. I skateboarded when I was younger. I told you earlier, my, yeah. my beginning's kind of like, besides having the uncle, I said it played in Tool and Guns N' Roses. I talked about this enough on other issues of the podcast that people know. And being in the sense, I didn't know at the time, but skateboarding definitely was the thing. We both Cox were punk. He didn't tell me Joy Division was punk. I don't think he was using those labels for it, but I mean, I just kind of discovered it through Thrasher Magazine, skateboarding, quicksand, and then yeah. Youth of the Day, Gorilla Biscuits, you go, you go on and on. And that's early 90s for me, because I'm a little bit of an age difference from me, so I was a teenage kid in the early 90s, as I'm sure you probably were, what, in the early 80s? Or yeah. So, or so. so, yeah, so, also I thought it was cool, um, people can... So you're skateboarding, and like I said, we're kind of adrenaline people because of skateboarding, and, the, and just the we enjoy to do some with our time. It's we're intense people. There's no doubt about that. I know you can. I know you probably chill out in life sometimes, but you're probably just as still intense as you were when you were younger in some ways, too. Would you say? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. You don't really escape it. Difficult but. to contain the demons sometimes. Yeah, and we, um, we were going to get into, um, and I'll get into some more integrity and cyber warfare stuff as we go along, but um, I wanted to talk about, because you were talking about kind of like the early 80s, um, I asked you about the integrity cap skull, and we were getting into that a lot last time, and kind of also the early 80s, like you see in Sam Hain and Lou. Well, it's not a cap, it's a vampire. Vampire, vampire, <laughs> vampire. It's a vampire. Let's make that clear. For me and everyone else, that's a vampire. That's going to suck the light. That's going to suck the humanity out of you, the blood out of you. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but anyways, maybe say about the early 80s, you were telling me about kind of growing up. It was a little religious. Maybe get into that a little bit and how it got into your art. And well, I grew up in Indiana um, in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I grew up in a very uh, conservative, religious uh, environment. And somehow I gravitated towards alternative music and alternative sports, alternative artistic expression. And at that time, it was very, uh, it was deemed like demonic or like being possessed by the devil, you know, that kind of thing was, was not uh, accepted by, by people. And uh, probably that uh, lent itself into me becoming even more interested in it. I remember that sometime in the seventies, I got, uh, I have it right here. I got this guitar. Uh, you can see it, but your, your audience probably can't. I got this guitar for uh, for Christmas, and uh, it's a. <laughs> a one string electric guitar that was made, I think from Mattel, and uh, I got the yeah Mattel. And, People look uh, it up. People can look it up. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, I got that guitar, and I remember you could bring a you could bring one of your Christmas presents to school, which I brought that in. And uh, my teacher said, you know, that's 
that you, you can't have that. That's you know that's that plays devil's music. You know that's acid rock. <laughs> I didn't know really what either of those terms meant, but I thought to myself, I like it. You know, but then that's I right. gravitated towards that, cause especially because I could see the beer in her eyes that a one-string electric guitar would make. And this thing, I mean, it still has a pretty good tone. I think it has a. I cleaned it up a little bit, but. Uh, the pot's got a little bit dirty over the years. Now it's a bit smoother. But, um, yeah, it has a pretty good tone to it. And uh, that sort of set me on my path with music as well. You know, like that coinciding with, with skateboarding and all kinds of other things. It wasn't just one epiphany that made me get into it. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think we attra- I think we naturally attract to sounds and a lot of the stuff we're into has – it isn't, we were talking about this, it isn't like a lot of the rock star stuff like there is out there. It's actually communication. There's um, a lot of feeling behind it, like a lot of messaging. So we're definitely into, I mean, for viewers out there, I may just stumble across this and for viewers who do listen and know what we're into. And we're into all kinds of things, but a lot of stuff we create is very intense. And, uh, I'm more of a religious terrorist than I would be a musician, probably. Yeah, there be. Luckily, you know, somehow it coincides and, and, and infiltrates into the music industry. But uh, I, I don't know how... how uh, but you were also saying... I found not a lot of people are dancing and, and snapping their fingers to the stuff that I make, but <laughs> some people are enjoying resonating with it. So. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think what was interesting the last time we talked, which I kind of got cut off, and I think it's good for viewers to hear as you're talking about, what, even though you were kind of against a lot of the religious stuff, it gave you the same sort of passion for the other things you got into in life, right? Well, religion is a strange beast, you know. Uh, it, it controls humanity, but at the same time, for some people, it, it gives them a freedom and it gives them uh, an escape from fear, fear of death, fear of consequence, fear of, uh, of yourself and who you are and, and things like this. But uh, I remember being force-fed religion, and I didn't like the fact that I was on the uh, I was on on the beating end of religion. You know, I was I was the uh, the nemesis. At the time, I didn't like it because obviously, you know, everyone's against you. But then I grew to feel comfortable on that skin, I guess. But as far as the, the fervor of, of of the religious zealots. I can resonate with that to some degree because when I perform music and and, and things like that, I, I feel sort of this uh, you know this ghost coming over me, you know, sort of uh, almost speaking in tongues, you know, this kind of uh, Pentecostal uh, upbringing that I have coming back into me, even though I resisted it as a, as a child, and then you know. As you get older, you think about things a little bit more in depth. Things are not so easily in contrast. They're not so black and white. And you start to think, like, about uh, how uh, how these people are, are, are handling snakes and, and believing so strongly in their religion and, and how, how there's, uh, you know, all these crazy stories, most of which are... Uh, metaphorical and uh, when you when you when you look at it as a kid as a teenager and you say 
with the with the with the local bands and uh, kids would do uh, you know all them early kind of punk dances and things like that and uh, yeah it was a bit like uh, that, that Roger Corman movie uh, Suburbia that come out in the 80s where it's like uh, suburban kids who feel disenfranchised with the world and they rebel and they dress tribal and they raise hell and listen to crazy music. It was a lot like that, I suppose. What was going on at that point when they were moshing? Was it more push moshing? Was it more pogoing? Or was it more like the New York or the East Coast hardcore vibe where that probably didn't even come around yet where people were... And I know my friend Rico said a lot of that came from those moss moves that now everybody does kind of originally kind of came from the dock workers being in New York bulldozing through kids at shows and they had to fight dudes off of them. So I don't even think those styles were all the way meant to be. They just kind of happened. It was a very tribal nature thing, but I don't know what was going on in Louisville at the time, what kind of was the kind of dancing styles you can remember where the kids kind of bouncing up and down or pushing each other or circle pitting or it would be called slam dancing then I think. Yeah, yeah, People pushing each other. Pushing each other kind of yes. you know, in a chaotic frenzy. Like uh, you know, like people having uh seizures, uh, I guess some poke on Yeah, it was the it was the total yeah, it was a total slam then. Then but you said um this is the early eighties, it was before all that stuff got changed around, so yeah, and you were also talking about this. The, the vampire skull does come kind of from a comic graphic novel and does get influenced by stuff from also you want some kind of iconic, like what you'd say, like Glenn Danzig and Sam Hain and stuff like that had iconic skulls you like. Yeah. You like? Yeah, like uh, Sam Hain was uh, one of the first bands from out of town that I saw and, uh, had an impact on me, and um, they performed in uh, in a church rec hall that was located uh, uh, on the street behind my house uh, in Louisville. And uh, Maurice was a band that uh, I think that they brought them there. They were local guys. They ended up uh, splitting off and becoming Flint and uh, King Horse. Uh, two different groups. Which Slint is amazing. Slint's amazing too. I don't know if I have ever heard King Horse, but Slint is pretty well known about themselves in this day. They pretty experimental and kind of went on their own thing. Yeah. Insane. I think that they had a lot more success because they had a bit more of a mainstream appeal to to a degree, especially at the time when they when they when they come out. Uh, was when uh, that uh, sub-pop and all that started to come uh, mainstream. So they uh, they were a bit, of, a bit of that style, I suppose. And King Horse was more like, um, like, like kind of like Sam Hain and Danzig. Okay. And so... Uh, if, you like, if you like Sam Hain and Danzig, you probably like it and Danzig produced their first album. Oh, okay. So, so there's that, and Pusshead did the artwork for it, so it's uh, you can't go wrong. And he did some of your he did some of your early artwork too, too. Also, he did oh. he did an album cover for Pusshead did an album cover for Integrity called uh, Humanity is the Devil. He did the art for that for the cover of that. Yeah, and um, 
we were, so we were kind of talking about the, because I always like that skull's iconic. So you're saying, uh, what comic did you kind of get yours out of? Because you're talking about there's a specific comic that kind of influenced yours with a with an X-ray belt vampire skeleton before. Kind but of like uh, Danzig had um, a comic. There was a comic called Crystar, and Danzig took the took influence from uh, from the cover of that uh, Crystar comic, and there was a skull uh, in space, which he, he redrew, or maybe Erie redrew. It's not one of the guys redrew it into the uh, the Danzig skull or the Sam Hain skull before. And I thought uh, that, that was a good approach. So when I come to start a band, I found a comic that I liked, and uh, and then I, I I redrew from a painting that uh, that Kent Williams did for a comic book called Blood a Tale, and it's a uh, existential uh, circular tale about uh, kind of about life, but at the same time, life as a vampire, but life in a parasitic form. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to talk about... 
I tell you what, I did. Try, yeah, I did want to talk about the music. And all, most of this stuff's already been covered in a lot of other podcasts. Okay, yeah, because I didn't even know my I didn't even know myself with um, your ideas on the awards, and then before we cover the music, you get into more your art. On the words, humanity is the devil, because what is your views on humanity, I've always wondered, because mine's kind of like sometimes even when we're being humane, is it for our own, to make ourselves feel good about ourselves, and is it really that humane, or or maybe the things that are done in the name of humanity, is that maybe, because they have a couple of folks. Are you asking what does humanity is the devil mean? Or? Yeah, what is your, your take on it? It means that, it means humanity is the devil. It means that uh, yeah, you look around, you see how the world treats itself, you see how everybody treats each other, you see how things go, you see how politics and religion are in the state and the world and, and the, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good, you know, it's not, it's not done in the name of righteousness. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's humanity is the devil's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, that's what I always thought. So, I was just... Because I've even thought about it as... There's no innuendo to it. It's just, it's that, you know. It's that every, I think that the human race has a, is a disease, is a, it has some kind of pestilence of itself. And this, you know, this corona thing and all this other stuff that goes on and the way that the world is trying to fuck us off the back of her. You know, it's a, there's a reason to all that because we are fucking... We're we're a virus. You know, we can cry all we want about COVID nineteen, but we're we're worse than COVID nineteen. Look what we've done to the world. You know, this is a species that's just a, just a destroyer. Yeah, and for good or for bad, however you want to interpret that. You know, if you if, if that's something that that you like, then you can champion it. And if it's something that tests you, you can be repulsed by it. But that's just the way that it is. You know, like like you said uh, earlier about Frank Miller's characters and that's the way it is the world is not like fucking disney disney <laughs> disney sold you sold us all a bunch of fun. yeah it did it ain't fucking uh you don't have a prince and a princess and then an evil guy and you have to fucking overcome that evil guy it's not like that it's fucking more complex and and i think that the that the human race has a idle hands, you know, and so when they don't have someone to hate, then they start hating themselves and mm-hmm. they start self-destructing, and then they got to find somebody else to hate, so they focus that hate on other people, and then they all clump in together and gang up on that person until, or that group of people, whatever it is, until that, that, uh, that that's eradicated, and then they turn on each other, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's so, like, uh, it's like lupus. So it's, uh, yeah, like loops. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's keep uh, let's keep on uh, going here. So music. Um, I wanted to get into. So we go integrity first, and we'll get into some cyber war stuff, cyber warfare stuff. Um, couple things. Maybe say who else does integrity with you right now, and give a little background for anybody. Um, maybe because some people listen to my. Some people listen to this podcast and maybe living under a rock and never have came across you guys before. I don't know, but most of my viewers, but just maybe a little background. Dominic Romeo uh, plays uh, plays an in integrity with me, and he and I write songs. And uh, uh, Dom uh, was in a band called Pulling Teeth, and he uh, owns a label called A Three Eight Nine Records, which he just relaunched uh, this week. And uh, 
he's one of my oldest friends and uh, like a brother to me. But the type of brother which fight with all the time, of course. And uh, <laughs> but I love him. And he's a, a hell of a fucking guitar player. He can do uh, amazing guitar leads and uh, raise the fucking hair off my arms when I hear his uh, when I hear his solos, solos and all other all other plural versions of the solo. Yeah, powerful. And and then who else? It's you got Francis in it from Cape of Bass and Devil Master. Yeah, we have a live uh, a live uh, lineup that Francis is uh, is playing in, and uh, he's another one of my best friends and um, real great guy, real talented individual, and he can do he can draw, he can make music. He can do. Uh, he can build houses. He can do all kinds of stuff. This guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of potential in him. Yeah, I met him. I met him. I haven't ever gone to see Devil's Master yet, but I saw Cape of Bats. Um, me and my friends helped put on a show for them at one point. And yeah, cool, cool kid, cool, great kid. I, I enjoy Francis a lot. Well, I guess he's just a human like all the rest of us. We're all biodegradable compost. The best is how I kind of look at it. But. Um, yeah, so, and what are, have you guys been working on a new record? Have you been working on some new stuff and settings? Yeah. And yeah, I probably don't want to give, um, yeah, there's. We're working on a new album for Relapse that should be out next year. Yeah, no, I wanted to, uh, yeah, for viewers that don't know that Integrity's been going since the late 80s and check out their discography. I don't want to kill Dwight's time here with me by running through it all with you all, but just check it out for yourselves, so you guys. You can go find it. I think. I, I think. Oh, and there was recently a tape re kind of done for. Um, what am I thinking? There was just a recently tape redone for. I'm brain farting it because it's too early in the morning. Um, not systems overloaded, but. Um, oh, well, we keep most of the records in print, so. You know, sometimes they run out, and then in a little bit of period of time, they'll be out. Oh, Seasons and Sides of Days. Seasons and Sides of Days just had a tape kind of redone for it, right, by someone? Yeah, Contraband, uh, Javier's uh, label, Contraband, uh, released a cassette uh, version of that of that album. Yeah, no, I kind of wanted to... A limited amount. I don't know the, I don't know the, I don't know the details about how many it is right off the top of my head right now. Yeah, but for... That's available, maybe. It depends on what time, what, when you're listening to this. Yeah, and that's an older release. But um, let's get into now, because our buddy Michael from Saren had a question for her. He wanted me to ask you in this. He wanted me to kind of, because we kind of got into this last time, I guess we can go into it again. He wanted me to ask you about the artwork with systems overloaded, then the artwork with Howling, and kind of get into your art a little. But you're talking to me about the 1800s books the last time, and kind of. The, so go into that. I'll let you go into it. Systems overload. Uh, I did the artwork for that cover, and um, the idea was that it's, it was supposed to be something ancient and. I tried to create the image to look as if it was uh, like petrified wood or some kind of really worn out, weathered, aged uh, wood. And on it, it had a, 
what I attempted to live like a, a papyrus or something. And I wrote some some lyrics that would be that were alluding to a future album. And uh, at the time, my my this was ninety four. 1994, and at that time, uh, my my son Max McClymonds was born, and I had his ultrasound photo, and so uh, I took that ultrasound photo and mounted that onto a piece of metal and uh, put that into the into the art and uh, an old rusty knife as well to sort of uh, depict, I guess, the brutality of birth into this world. <coughs> Yeah, we are in church. We, we don't choose to be here. We don't choose when we leave, I have found. Or sometimes we choose when we leave, depending on who you are or what you decide to do. But for the most part, if you're naturally taken out, you usually don't choose when you go. You know, it's just kind of that. I don't say it. But anyway, so keep on going back to that art. Well, that's that's too much more to it, I suppose. Uh, well, you said Howling was kind of a different aesthetic, right? You said that was more your. Well, Howling's a different album, yeah. That's a decades apart. And that record, uh, I did um, a collage style, which uh, to your audience that may not know what collage is, is uh, a juxtaposition of images uh, where you you take, for example, a newspaper, or magazine, and cut out different. Uh, images or words or whatever you want from it and then you lay them on top montaging them uh, onto a new image so like you could take the head of one um, I, I guess to, to younger to younger listeners it'd be something like what you call photoshop but like you know medieval photoshop or something you know like a, a early photoshop where uh, you take these images and you, you put them together oftentimes in in situations that um, are not likely. And so when that happens, just like with uh, just like when you when you juxtapose words that shouldn't normally be in a sentence, you know, the synapses in your mind that are complacent from when the normal day to day things that you do, they start to fire a little bit differently and you start to get a little bit uh, exhilarated, I suppose, and uh, you start to use your creative imagination a little bit more. And that's uh, the idea of collage, the concept of collage within the context of uh, the Howling album, was that it was uh, depicting a storyline that the album represents. And I use uh, these, because nowadays, imagery is... Uh, too common. Uh, most imagery is too easily uh, easily accessed because of the internet. So I spend uh, some grueling time looking uh, for old old books from the 1800, late 1800s that have, that involve uh, that that are created with engraving style um, fantastic images uh, images that are over the top, uh, and, and the text that accompanies them is often uh, what, what you might call pulp uh, stories. They're stories that are like, I guess, the equivalent of a B-movie or something, where it's some kind of um, really absurd, uh, 
almost abstract uh, tale of some kind of tragedy. And so uh, the illustrations tend to be also very uh, ridiculous. And so I take those those images, because of the ridiculous nature of, of what they're depicting, I'm able to have a, a more expressive um, voice to, to the collages that I create. And, uh, and I try to, instead of just randomly putting these images together and seeing what happens, which occasionally will happen, but, but I tend to uh, try to have a have storyline, have, have have some kind of direction that, that the collages take that will bring, uh, hopefully will bring some kind of narrative to the person who's observing them and, and they'll be able to see, see either what I have to say about it or perhaps interpret something of their own uh, creative imagination, which would be ideal, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, uh, that's that's, always, I always try to leave a little bit of room in there, uh, so that so that the uh, the audience or or the observer can play a role in the creative process as well. That way, uh, in an alchemical way, we sort of all work together to create this, and it becomes becomes all of ours, and we all work together to 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 make this different universe. Yeah, well, I think I even asked you, like, before, which to that day on all race, what was your favorite, what was your favorite piece you ever done? You said you don't really have one because you just keep liking them more and more as you go along. And two, well, I like the process of making, yeah. making uh, yeah. I don't want to get stuck on one thing and just only go to that. Yeah, I didn't I know if there was ever something that's you That's a complacent place to be and a boring place to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of... It nostalgia really, has not a lot of... Uh, Yeah. Um, 
and I, as I get older, I become more callous, I think. So I was a bit surprised that I had such an emotional reaction to his mix, not because of his – obviously, he's a very talented producer. I don't mean it that way, but I just didn't expect to feel uh, – to be able to be moved so so strongly as um, – as it's an old album. Yeah. So, I, I should be uh, <laughs> I, I should be uh, immune to that by now, I suppose. But uh, yeah, but uh, but I believe in I believe in what I what I do, and uh, and it comes from deep inside me. So those things are gonna come back to to haunt you always. You know, the ghosts that are captured in this bottle, you know, they they still have potency. Yeah. Yeah, and since we're going in, since you said sonically it still does stuff for you, let's go into sonically. You have side you have side warfare, which is very. I mean, I don't I don't like the pigeonhole shit, but if I was gonna say something, it'd be like some experimentation of noise, power, electronics of what the fuck ever you want to slap it into as a as a human, you know. And let's maybe go into some of that where. Maybe some of the history and the backdrop on that. Well, psych uh, warfare, psychological warfare, uh, is the idea of it, and basically it's um, a project that fucks with your head, like the title says. Yeah. Some songs, uh, some songs are uh, melodic and soft and dreamy, almost hypnotic, and some songs are very surgically violent and uh, and and uh, hopefully inflict pain and uh, maybe even uh, make make people question things. And this is a, of interest to me. Maybe not interesting to everybody, and it's certainly not the type of music that everyone. Uh, that most people like. Yeah, I gravitate towards it, but, uh, but it's not music to dance to. It's it's uh, you know it's 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 violence and it's uh, it's something um, a bit torturous, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, like if you you know like music is is a lot like the film industry. You know you have uh, horror movies, you have romantic uh, comedies, you have dramas and things like that. Music can also uh, exist in the same way. You know. Evoking different emotions and a different, a different types of uh, of stories and yeah, you know, memories and things like that that you can connect with throughout your life. And yeah, because there's so many of my friends that I've met through like punk rock that they're like, I can't fucking stand that noise shit you're into, and I'm like, oh, well, let me turn it up for you a little bit when you're around. It's fucking blur. Well, yeah, I mean, most people got into the punk and, and the heavy metals and, and all that stuff by by feeling that it was so extreme. And then when they hear that, they they, they cower like a grandma. <laughs> oh, this hurts my ears. Isn't that what your grandma said about your Green Day record? <laughs> yeah, this shit. Um, so these people are real extreme, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was... um. Yeah, I was thinking it was, we were talking about the expo of the extreme before. That seemed like I, Michael showed me a flyer from that. That seemed pretty. That looked pretty cool with Boyd Rice and 
bloody minded and what was it, Mortis and Trouble and a bunch of porn stars around there too, right? Yeah, Ron Jeremy was there. Uh, Roz Williams, yeah, he was there. <laughs> and then, he, he, but he, you know, he, he wasn't a porn star, but maybe almost a porn star. But he, he was um, probably best known for Christian Death, the gothic type group. Yep. But he also did a lot of experimental noise type music. He was a very creative uh, individual. Yeah, it was. Um, what years was that? And that was was that like the early nineties that went down it. Uh, maybe 96, 97. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think about then. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a crazy thing to think about, something like that even going on. Yeah, it, was a, it was a festival of, uh, of extreme types of music at the time, and uh, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, the, the guy who put it on, his name was Michael Hunt, and he he rented out this sleazy hotel in the middle of uh, you know, some bad neighborhood in Chicago, and uh, all all the uh, musicians and, and porn stars and stuff uh, uh, stayed in the same place. So you know you could go down to the bar at any hour. Uh, it was open because uh, the, the inmates took over the the asylum, so to speak. Uh, eventually, the guy who was the bartender just gave up and left and just left it all. He abandoned ship. It was a mutiny. <laughs> so everybody just kind of hung out there and, all night long and, and uh, talked and came up with ideas. And it was a, quite quite an interesting experience and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of very creative people were involved in that in that uh, that event. Yeah. And, um... I know you said you live in Belgium, you do family life, you're still very creative. What has been, um, for maybe people out there listening, what, what, and I guess you kind of give your thoughts on pandemic earlier, but what would you say to some people, some advice maybe they could do for things to do during pandemic? Because I've been kind of asking everybody this there too since for some advice. Would you say just stay creative, keep creating, or... What would you say? Keep working, doing what you got to do, or what's your thoughts on it? I don't think I'm the right person to ask for advice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if you had any or any good things you've been doing, uh, any hobbies you picked up, or any cool things you figured out. For me, for me, it's it's been more of an annoyance than it has been. Uh, people think, oh, you're locked up and and you can you can work on things. And it's true, but I mean, I'm locked up working on things anyway. So what this has done for me is just uh, it's been a great distraction where I've been unable to uh, get a lot of the things that I wanted to get accomplished uh, accomplished because of that. But then on the other hand, uh, other people who I might want to, uh, who, who I might work with on something, they're more available because they're on a quarantine situation. So, you know, I guess some, so there's some, some parts of it that uh, are beneficial, sort of. But for me, uh, for the big picture, it's just been a fucking annoyance for me. And uh, I've gotten some things accomplished, but I mean, I always work on things. So that's, I think that my output's been, been uh, has decreased because of it and not increased. Yeah, I think it's just been kind of hard on everyone, one equally, especially anybody who plays shows or puts on shows or not even shows, just creates. and. 
needs to figure out. Yeah, I haven't been able to play a show since February. And uh, so that's uh, been quite a hindrance for me. I, I, I uh, enjoy uh, performing, and it exercises my demons when I'm able to. So now I'm just this uh, <laughs> rest, restless uh, bag of flesh uh, about to explode. And, um, you know, when we're talking about spy warfare and kind of the things it was about, um, I think I asked you this last time, and I like to get into this with people for another thing, and it's kind of on the goofier side, but for listeners that don't know, A-Tracks more Marco Cabilli is one of my favorite things. I probably would have never found out of, about a lot of the Italian B-movies I wouldn't have if I went for him. But then, like I said, I, I don't lie, the first thing that ever truly scared me, the first thing that ever made me puke was Last House on the Left, the original, but that was when I was too young and disturbing, but the first thing that really truly scared me was The Shining. But we were kind of getting into, I like horror movies, I like all this stuff because it shows kind of the darker sides of the human mind sometimes, or all this stuff can show the darker sides of, but you were saying, what, what's it for you, Dracula, or what, what's, what are you liking? You were saying vampires once before, right? Kind of explain some of the things you got into. Are we talking about film or A-Tracks Morgan? Well, I, I was just saying I got into a lot of those films through A-Tracks Morgan at one point in my life, and I was just saying what for you is film, like, or even film or even old characters, does your scary thing for you or represents that? Maybe it isn't even so scary. I don't know. I enjoyed, uh, as a child, I enjoyed the universal horror films, the black and white monster movies that uh, that they put out. Um, that would be Wolfman and, and Dracula and Mummy and Frankenstein, all the classic type of black and white films. I, I enjoyed those, watching them as reruns on Saturday nights. And... Uh, and also the Hammers, which came out in the in the 60s, they were the colored versions of very similar in, in, in context to the Universal films, but with more depth in story, often having dual stories, uh, and and more blood and and uh, more risky uh, content. Uh, I also like a lot of the low quality stuff, and, and as you said uh, when you I think what you meant when you mentioned uh, the Italian uh, films, I, I like the Italian uh, horror films as well, the 60s and 70s, Baba and all that. Yeah, just kind of like, they're, they're kind of like some, I wouldn't even call, I don't even know if you'd call them slasher films or what they are. They're all over the map. It depends. The Red Queen kills seven times or whatever it may be. You, you know. Well, it depends. I mean, you know, each, each story has its own uh <laughs> yeah, I like uh, German Expressionist films, too, the, the really early 1920s silent films. I think that they have a charm to them that is uh, hard to hard to match. But in itself, you know, it's, a, it's an artistic uh, expression, and it's its own thing, you know. It's, it, it's its era. Yeah, um... So you said you guys are working on new album. Uh, is it any? Integrity. Yeah, Integrity's working on a new album. 
And you, you, inside warfare, this did some. You guys just did some tapes on deathbed or part of deathbed comp, right? Right for dead, deathbed tapes out of Dayton, Ohio. Inside warfare is on a, 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 a deathbed a compilation at this moment. Um, nine circles of hell. Yeah, I saw it. Um, but anyways. Um, have you even came? I guess you said you probably haven't titled the integrity record. What are some any anything you've been yeah, writing? Any, any, what? Yeah, I have a title for it. Well, if you want to maybe say that, any kind of feeling some of the songs have been trying to convey on that record or writing process or how you guys recorded it, or who you're recording it with, or what's the plans on that? That and then I'll get yeah, into Dominic, some. Dominic Romeo and I are, are writing and recording it. Yeah, that's. Do you just handle kind of the recordings yourselves, or do you go into the studio usually for that type of thing? Well, initially, we do demos for each other. We have home studios that are uh, decent, but not good enough for for the albums. <laughs> so we send things back and forth, and uh, basically like sketches, and then we say. Uh, Maybe we should add something here, or this part sucks, or this should be extended, or this doesn't uh, express the feeling that we want to express, or maybe we should make something so that there's a friction here, and then there's a payoff there, and, you know, whatever, just technical things. Um, because in a way, you know, we try to make a soundtrack uh, instead of a, a set of musical feet. I guess it's more of a uh, an emotional thing. Yes. Yeah, so want to make sure that it represents what the the storyline is going with, and everything should try to complement each other to a certain degree. I mean, to 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 evoke emotion. Well, and I think I was even like talking to you about this a while ago. Different people live in different places in integrity, and they're kind of scattered about in the life. Oh, that's, that's what you mean. Uh, no, no, but no, I know, I know you're doing that, but you're. Um, you're talking to me, Integrity's had a lot of different sounds over the years because you've had different people, and I think I was asking you, was it ever hard when people left the band? And you're, I think, what would you say? It was kind of like no, because a lot of times they didn't have that drive any. They didn't have the same drive anymore for it. Before, Every situation is different. Mm, Every person is different. Yeah. So it's, it's a blanket statement doesn't... Uh, yeah, a blanket really statement doesn't really cover it, doesn't really cover it, because there's different things for viewers out there can happen in bands, certain people don't get along or just inform any more. There's okay, a thousand so things. Are you asking what story of why people have left the band? You don't even have to go into Yeah, you don't even have to go into things happen, different things happen. People go to college, people want to have a job, people want to not do this, people don't like music after a certain amount of time, people want to get into different kinds of music, people get burned out of certain mm -hmm. kinds of music, people don't get along with me, or I don't get along with them, or they don't uh, deliver what they're supposed to deliver, or they just decide on a, you know, that they want to go a different direction for themselves, and some people go into totally different uh, styles of music, some people do similar styles of music, I mean, it's, uh, there's been so many different people, yeah. it's hard to, to just give a to give to give one answer, yeah, and you I, know, just like anything. And I think you were like saying because you're like you're like 
it, usually in the because you're like you want people to be passionate about to have that same passion you do and you, you're yeah. saying you kind of want those teeth gnarling right right you you want to well you, there should be passion in, in the creation of anything and if there isn't then there's no real point in it yeah exactly that's how I look at everything going through the motions is to be boring yeah and um, you were also saying. Dombria resurrected his label, and you were saying last time, and you handle a lot of the art, and if you don't handle the art, bands bring their layouts. You've done a lot of layouts for the label, right? Because I didn't even know that about you when you were saying that last time, time with a lot of the 8389. So. Yeah, Dom is an old friend of mine, and I help him out with uh, construction of his artwork for his records. Some from pre-press. Sometimes I also design the records. Sometimes I just uh, put the components together so that it can be ready for press. It's not that exciting. I don't, yeah, I guess it really isn't that always exciting, but for me, art is always exciting. Or I don't even like to use the word art. Create. Creating is always exciting. I always, I guess I'm a, I'm a more nerd like that. I dig into other people's creativeness, too. Too and really yeah, uh, Dom is a friend of mine, and uh, I help him out with that. I have I have a lot of experience in pre-press work, and so I help him do it when uh, when he needs it. I've done uh, I think I had uh, some some role in most of his releases. Uh, I'm not sure of all of them, but quite a bit of them. I don't remember. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do. His label's been going on for a long time. He had a bit of a hiatus for a while. Now he's back into it again. So. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we've been talking for a little while here. I don't want to keep you all day either. What's um, anything in the works for Psy Warfare too for the future future coming up? Yeah, I'm also making an album for uh, for for Psy Warfare as well for Relapse. Yeah, and I guess you're also saying. The other day, for people who don't know, Relapse is supposed to have the 30-year anniversary this year, the whole thing going on, but you said a lot. This is the 30th anniversary. This year is their 30th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. But you're saying just a lot kind of got messed up because of everything with COVID, just like everything else in the world did. So hopefully they're going to have some yeah, kind unfortunately, of... Unfortunately, they they I think that they had some things planned that they wanted to do to celebrate, but because concerts can't happen, then they couldn't do the celebration which is unfortunate because they worked really hard uh, making a great label over these 30 years. And uh, it's unfortunate they weren't able to, 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 to celebrate that with their audience because uh, I think that they wanted to. But, you know, they're, they're, they're resilient, so I'm sure they'll find some, some other way to... And do, you still, do you still ever get on a skateboard these days yourself? Do you still get yeah. on them? Are the kids skate? Do you have your kids skating? I know that's kind of a personal life question, but do the kids enjoy it some? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I didn't know if you had that, had them getting into that, that drive. Yeah, I've got, I've got ramps in my office. Here's a quarter <laughs> pipe there, and then that's a, this one's on its side, but uh, for storage reasons. So I can, so I can walk through this place. Yeah. Um, any feelings you want to leave with the world before we sign off? Because I think we kind of we got to cover a lot of stuff. I 
I mean, we could have gone into more like we were talking about last time how I had a copy of, we were talking about that toy box release. There's been some different copies of Integrity Records out there, right? You're talking about for those who fear tomorrow and there's for those who still fear tomorrow. Well, the Trademark come out in 1990, and, uh, you know, over the years, pressings drop out, and uh, some of the records, the earlier versions, became worth, uh, became resold for too high a value, so then we'd repress them, so they'd be affordable for people. Yeah, I was... Uh, well, I don't know how many times they've been repressed. <laughs> it's been a I don't, uh, I don't, I don't make, a, uh, make a mental note of that. Uh, <laughs> It's, well, some of the stuff's been reissued by different people a few times. Yeah. So it's, yeah, 30 years is a long time, you know, or however many of that, 28 years for that one. So, yeah. Yeah, and thanks to you for also always keeping your same passion and drive for all this throughout all those years, too, because I know it's, I know it's, I know it's easy, and I just want to say as a, as a friend and a fellow person that's involved in this, I know it's easy. It's easy for people to sometimes have things get in my life. It's hard having – well, it isn't hard having kids, but you have to juggle acts. It's a juggling act, and sometimes parts of us do get a little beat down and beat down in this world, and sometimes it's hard to pick up and keep going. So I want to thank you for always doing it however you do it. Do it, do it. Thanks. It's, yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's something I can't control. I don't really have much choice in it. Yeah, I have to do it. I don't know what else I can do. I, uh, I'm driven to do it, and it's uh, there's some other calling inside of it all that that makes me do it. I don't I don't really understand why exactly. I just don't know. Uh, me too. I have that same. I have that same thing I'm going. What, what causes it? But it's there, so I, I I use it. You know, so try to learn learn new tools to to, to uh, manifest these imaginations into reality. And, uh, yeah, because I, I was even like, and then I'll go, let you go after this. But I was talking to my friend Jordan Riaz, and, um, you know, he was talking about something very interesting. You need to listen to the podcast or anybody out there. He does a bunch of noise stuff out of here. He does a label called American Dreams, and he does other stuff too. But he was talking about, not everybody's always, everybody can almost do art or do something. Not everybody's good at it, but it's which, what work you want to put into it. And sometimes we were talking about how sometimes we even get these ideas of people and they get stuck in our heads, but we really have to somehow bring them to life and run with them sometimes because they, they never become valuable if it's just stuck in our, own, in our own head and we have to put work into the crafts we do. And I'm sure you would agree with that. Too sometimes. Yeah, I don't have much of a choice in it. I, I've always been like this. So luckily now I have more tools at my disposal, so I can do uh, more things than than I could in the past. Yeah, well, I want to let you get on for your day, Dwight. Thanks for talking to me about everything. Good uh, talking to you, Brett. Yeah, awesome. We'll we'll stay in touch. We'll talk some more more after this, and thanks to everybody out there listening. I guess probably from Dwight and me, I would, we'd probably just say either be a loner if that's what you do, or either try to watch out for each other in these fucking crazy times if you can, and just try to support different artists and 
right now. And also, do you want to drop any links to Integrity stuff and Psy Warfare stuff where people can check it out maybe if they haven't ever witnessed it before or ever came across it before? Because sometimes people do stumble across these podcasts. It's weird. Uh, so those are interested. I guess just look up the name. You can go to Relapse, uh, Relapse Records. Has has links for the records. Uh, you can find that on the internet, on Google and Spotify, all that shit. You can find the find the music if you want to listen to it on, on those things. Bandcamp, whatever. iTunes. Yeah, I guess we got to cover kind of a lot of stuff in this. We got to cover some of the people that are involved. We got to cover some of the art aspects of it. Is there already in? I guess kind of influential stuff, and I would just probably be in the music yourself and skateboard. So, yeah, I would say we got to talk quite a bit here about life and yeah. stuff in this little hour, and yeah. kind of covered some things. Is there anything else you'd like to cover in here? Oh, not really. Anything? Uh, I think we covered it all. All right. Well, awesome. Have an excellent day. It's been good talking.